G'day everyone and welcome to another edition of Tuesday Night Live brought to you by Crowcast of Court. Lots going on in the world as we lead into Brownlow Week and then of course the grand final in a fortnight's time. Uh, so without any further ado, let's crack straight in and see what's going on. everybody and welcome to another edition of Tuesday Night Live. Thanks to everyone who's joined us on Discord and also on YouTube and maybe even Twitch on this Tuesday night. But I'm still basking in the glory of uh, a famous uh, <laughs> port loss. <laughs> and uh, joining me to uh, have his own moment of gloating. <laughs> Pete, how are you going? Oh, would we be that small fiend? Yes. 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 Absolutely would. We would be absolutely that small, no question about it. How are you, mate? Good? Yeah, pretty good, mate. Pretty good. I mean, there's only one thing that really soothes the uh, the angst of uh, no crows in the postseason, and that's uh, watching Port get absolutely destroyed. Well, it was a, it was a funny thing because um, my um, my son, who's been very, very well coached in these matters, he said after the game, he said, Dad, he said, wouldn't it, wouldn't it have been better if it was a kick after the siren, it had really broken their hearts. And I, I said, I said, no, mate. I said, you want a, a result like that, so it completely causes their list management to just just yeah. break everything apart. Yes, yeah. you know, no hope. No hope left yeah. for them. They've they've destroyed, no, no gutted, uh, questions asked everywhere, coaching group dismantled. Um, you know the whole the whole nine yards. And they've already. Already got rid of uh, Hamish Hartlett and they've uh, said goodbye to Jared Schofield, of course, and I think there'll be a few more people moving on down there. Um, not that it's a Port Adelaide you're cast. You're absolutely but, right, uh, because you can't, um, you can't do what they did last year, which is just say, well, you know, we're all kick away and we've just got to keep going. Yeah, no, that's right. You lose a um, premium by 71 points. That's, that's, you know. Well, that's almost as bad as losing a grand final by 119, isn't it, really? <laughs> It's in that realm, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, come on, we've lost grand finals or won anyway, but gee whiz. I think the Crows have only ever lost one home final, haven't we? That one against St Kilda that time? Oh no, we've lost a yeah. prelim against West Coast, I think. Yeah, that, but that, you know, when you're talking about humiliations, you've got the, the great showdown semi final where they yeah. lost by what was it, 80 points? Yeah, so something they've got like that. a bit that. of a record, haven't they? Oh yeah! Oh, they've got a fair record of choking at home, a fair mm. record. Um, yeah, and uh, all under the watch of Kenny Master Coach Hinckley. Uh, of course, he's got two years left to go. And uh, see, are they stuck with him? I, I, I put to uh, Macker and Nicky on Sunday that it's, uh, Hinckley to Geelong, Chris Scott to Carlton, and Rossi Lyon to uh, Port Adelaide. What do you reckon? Oof. Yeah, look, it wouldn't surprise me because Koshy clearly refused to endorse him. I, I heard that interview on Monday and he mm. did not endorse him. 
Mm. He gave a whole lot of corporate tripe. Yeah. The one thing that he wouldn't say, and cornsey has been out there challenging him. Yep. He would not say that Kenny was safe, and he still hasn't said it. That's right. That's right. Uh, page of motion, excellent spot. Excellent spot. Of course, the port shellacking occurred on uh, the 11th of September, Peter. Well, 119. Could there be more beauty? <laughs> the are all lined up. It was just... Uh, Magnificent. And, of course, Billy's right, too, and I stayed up and watched it. Uh, Danny Rick winning uh, Monza and first one for since 2018 and McLaren getting one, too, and, you know, secretly I'm glad that he got their first victory for ages instead of Lando, and uh, that was all fun and games, too. I don't know whether you're into Formula One, Pete, but I enjoyed that. Not a fan, not a fan, but uh, that's okay. I was pretty pleased that uh, he won because uh, being an Aussie, so that was all good stuff. Um, I was really interested to see how the game played out, and I thought that you weren't, going back to last Tuesday night, you weren't far off the mark, Fiend, being the good analysts that you are. Hmm. You weren't far off the mark in the way that they played at uh, Alir and that Port Defence, the way that they you know ran that ball up and hmm. just made sure they had some really nice deep entries, especially yeah. in, that, in that first quarter. Yeah, and they also uh, doubled up on him a bit, didn't they? It was almost like at at some stages during the game they were almost using Alir as a target, and then just swamping him with num- aerially with numbers. So he uh, didn't he uh, didn't have much influence in the game at all, did he? Were you incredibly impressed by the sacrificial team games that both English and Shaki played? Oh, Shaki, yeah, yeah, definitely, and and chipped in on the scoreboard too, Shaki. Um, I. Uh, I just felt like it was a really well-coached game by Beveridge, and I say that begrudgingly because I'm not a huge fan. But, um, you know, uh, Inquisitor, I think it was, that uh, said on the chat on Sunday night, you know, one team rocked up with a plan and the other team rocked up hoping to play the same way that they played every week. Um, Yeah. You know, and that was Kenny's Kenny's MO. They just played the same way. They made no allowances whatsoever for the Bulldogs' game plan. I was so impressed with the, with the role playing of the, mm. of the Bulldogs player, and you could see the roles, and you, you know, just the way that in that first quarter, when they showed slow motion replays, the way that English in a pack, you know, didn't even contest the ball. No, it was just, just putting his body there on a leer, and I couldn't help thinking, and it goes back to what you said a few weeks ago. I couldn't help thinking when I saw. Such a valuable game from English on the weekend. I couldn't help thinking that is there any reason that Himmelberg can't play that kind of role for us? I don't think there is, is there? No. No. Uh, well, I, I would put Berg above uh, English in terms of natural football ability. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, 100%, Mac, uh, Pete. 100%. The other two I really loved, I really, really enjoyed watching was the rotation. The wing and half forward rotation. So you had four players. You had Trelaw and Hunter rotating um, with Smith, Bailey Smith, yeah, and uh, Mitch Hannon. Yeah, and that those four players, their importance. Like you know, we when we look at you know what you need to, to you know to be in the big games and win the big games. You know, we always look at the engine room, don't we? And don't get me wrong, that's really important. But I was incredibly impressed with all these little role players. And the way that they, you know, they gave both of those guys gave them good width. Trelaw and Hunter gave them good yeah, width. Yeah. 
and um, and they rotated with Smith and um, and Hannon. And those four players I thought were incredibly important. And then again, looking at roles, you know, you had Daniel and and um, Bailey Dale, mm-hmm. and the way they distributed off half back, and just just the way that you could you could actually just see it just stood out to me, like the proverbials, how well they had players playing their roles. But you know. I reckon a big contributing factor to that, Peter, is that they obviously knew exactly what their roles were. Um, it's yeah. very hard to play your role well if, if it's not clearly defined, and I feel like every member of that Bulldogs team has is crystal clear about what's expected of him um, during a game, and that may be different from one week to the next. And uh, again, you know, re- relating that back to Port's game plan, um, which was very much about see ball, get ball, move ball forward at any costs. And, uh, you know, precious little system and no ability uh, for their midfield to really get involved at all. And I think it was because uh, the bullies knew exactly what they were doing. I mean, it helps when you destroy a team in contested ball and ground ball. Um, you know, it gives yeah. you first use Absolutely. and it allows you to be very proactive. And I think that really hurt Port, the fact that they just got destroyed at the coalface. Um, but you've still got to be able to put the score on the board and that's where Western Bulldogs were so efficient. Well, they were. And interesting, when we talked about this last week, Phenom, you know, really, if you looked at the season, we should have been much more confident tipping the, the dogs. And you were, you were. And I'll give you full credit because you tipped the dogs. Um, I was more hesitant. And, um, and duped. And I shouldn't have been. I and mean, there was a reason I shouldn't have been. And that reason was is because I sat here on this cast after the showdown, the second showdown. Yeah. And I reported back that I'd watched it from on high and that we'd played a one-on-one contested finals brand of football. Yeah. And they did not stand up in that first half. Yeah. We beat them, we beat them comfortably in contested ball. They were well down on their normal uncontested ball. And really, if I thought back, and, and look at it more sensibly. There is no reason why you would have thought Port would win a comp- against a competitive finals team when they could not beat the Crows, who were playing a finals brand of football. Yeah, it's a really good observation, Pete, because you're right. Um, and, you know, we're talking about quality players, Wines and, and Boak and, and blokes like that at the coalface, but they also have a lot of squibs um, and oh. they have a, a lot of outside seagulls. And, uh, you know, we. It, it amazed me that, that Kenny started with Robbie Gray in the guts. Um, it, it was almost like a concession before the ball had even bounced. And I would have thought that if you're Tom Liberatore or, or um, you know, Bailey Smith or Marcus Pontempelli and you see Robbie Gray lined up at the centre bounce, uh, you're almost thinking, oh, hello, we're on here. If that's our, if that's our opposition for the day. And your most and your most, you know, contested midfielder is on the bench. Yeah, yeah. It just it was it was. I couldn't understand that. <laughs> you know, you're playing a cutthroat preliminary final, which they're always hard contests. They're always, you know, they throw the playbook out, and it's all about getting getting your hands steady at the coalface. And your yeah. your leading ball winner, contested ball winner. Yeah, just sit the first five minutes out. <laughs> yep. Oh, God. Oh, we but we all know Kenny can coach. 
when you talk about setting the tone for a game too, there were some very, very big name court players who who backed out of contests and let's call a spade a spade in that first quarter. They just totally backed out of contests. And that just, to me, set the tone of the game. Yeah, yeah, they just, look, and let's let's, uh, move on from this in a moment, but... um... No, no, no. No, um, we should, yeah. I don't know, but look, they they didn't play with any heart or any spirit, and uh, it was they played to me as if they had already expended all their energy uh, on in the lead up, and yep. I feel like knowing Ken Hinckley's style the way that we all do, I feel like the lead up to the game was all about you can do it, you deserve this, you've worked hard, you know this is your yep. game. Um, n- not providing much direction and actually not keeping uh, that team, you know, steady and level and uh, grounded. Uh, and as yeah. soon as they were met with any opposition, it was just like, oh, oh shit, we've actually got to go and win this game. Well, I wasn't mentally prepared for that. Mm. Yes. No, I, I felt heartened when I saw that showdown and, and I've heard since, I've heard... Matthew Nix, and I've heard a couple of players in various presses say that they are working on a brand of football at the Crows that will stand up in finals. Mm. And th- and that's what, that, that's what they played against Port Adelaide. Now, I think physically you can't play that week in, week out, especially with the young teams. Yeah. And I suspect we, I suspect we didn't play it every week, but there were some games where we did, and I, and I thought, you know, we did it really, really well. So yeah. I, think we, I think we can be buoyed, I think we can be buoyed by that thing. Right, look, I agree with you, Pete, and I think we've we've actually got the players to do it. Um, the the thing I think that we've noted during the course of the season is that the the young brigade at, at Adelaide they're not inclined to give up terribly easily, and there's a little bit of mongrel about a few of them. Ned McHenry's the obvious one, but you know Harry Schoenberg's got a bit of bit of grunt about him. Uh, Sam Berry's got a bit of grunt about him. You know, there's. Uh, Benny Keys obviously sure. has a bit of grunt. Oh, Benny Keys, yep. Yep. You know, there's there's lads there that aren't going to take a backward step, but it's not in a, uh, you know, a, a bravado manner. It's just that they're just going to keep coming. And I think what you what you say is absolutely right. There were games during the season um, where we beat some quality opposition, and it was all all about that that manic pressure and and that physicality at the contest and that uh, willingness to continue and go second and third efforts. And that's not always been a quality of an Adelaide side. Well, it hasn't. And, I, and I'm going to ask you this question. I'm interested to hear your opinion. Now, when, I, you, know, when, I, when you read the various social media pages on you know, the various forums and things like that, yeah, you know, we hear about the fact that we've we've got you know we've got these manic players like you say. What we need is some real class. And how much cl- I'm going to ask this. I'm not, you know, you can never have too much class, of course. But when you're in a prelim final like that, you know, it's dog eat dog, and it's it's mm. you know, it is that manic. How much class do you actually need? And looking at some of the poor players that you would say, geez, a really classy player. Yeah, you know what I'm trying to say. Well, there aren't many... You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, definitely, because I think there are times where the classy players go missing in those hard-fought games. Mm. Um, the thing, I think the thing that I really enjoy about the way the Bulldogs play is whilst they've got uh, grunt at the contest, 
they've also got really good skills. Their hand skills are quick and decisive yeah. Yeah. and they can hit players by foot. And yeah. if you've got a group of guys that are committed to the contest uh, that don't back away but also have really good disposal, I mean, that that's that's the dream, isn't it? So you're 100% right, Peter. You don't need necessarily that um, that silky smooth, classy outside runner that can, you know, that looks fantastic when he's got ten metres clear. You need a bloke that can that can be in and around the contest and not shirk it, but be able to deliver under pressure. And the bloke that really comes to mind in that regard for mine is Christian Petrarca for Melbourne. He's he's got a lot of power. He's able to to win his own ball, but he's also he, you know he's also able to to hit players up. Oliver is the same for them. I mean, yes, a lot of what they do is is brute strength and brute force, but they also run and run and run, and they can also hit targets when they need to. So, one player that really impressed me on Saturday night was McRae, and the reason he really impressed me was because when there was all around him was panicking and there was manic pressure, he had that ability to just be able to look and even if it was just a 15, 20 metre target, he found it. Yeah. And, 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 and from that from that stop play would open up. Just releases the pressure valve a little bit, yeah. Do, do, do you know what I mean? And it Who do you reckon we've got like that at the moment, Pete? Oh, probably Harry. Yeah. That, that's what I, I see Harry, Harry developing into. A not a distributor so much, but uh, composure in tough situations. That, comp that composure that, that turns um, manic pressure into possession, yep. into car possession. It's like a transition. Yeah. And McRae just seemed to be able to, and there was nothing special about his disposal other than the fact he was able to do it in a calm way yep. and... And hit that twenty meter. He did it about four or five times, I reckon. Mm. I think the other crows youngster that we're going to some might be surprised by his level of composure and skill under pressure is Sam Berry. I, mm. I see him with such core strength, um, and the few times that we've played him through the middle, I've been impressed by the way he's been able to keep his feet and not be knocked off line uh, in contested situations. But he, but yeah. he's also able then to break free. Even though he doesn't look like a fast player, he doesn't. He he, he can break free and and deliver. And I think the more we get exposed to Sam Berry in the guts, uh, the more we're going to see him rise in terms of his ability not only to win his own ball but to also be a bit of a distributor out of those contests, like um, a Jack McRae, uh, you know, probably with a bit more class and skill than, say, a Tom Liberatore, who who I thought was excellent for the Bulldogs uh, oh, on the weekend. Fabulous football. Fabulous yeah. uh, he, he's a, great. He, he is a real... He, he deserves a lot of credit, Tom Liberatore. I was saying to Macca the other day and Nick that, you know, he was on the scrap heap a few years ago. You yeah. know, he had, he had issues off-field and all the rest of it. And for him to be able to get himself back, get himself fit and to be such an integral cog in that wheel. Um, and he really, inside, he really lit the spark for the Bulldogs early on the weekend. Well, he's just an outstanding first touch mm. midfielder. And what I love about the Dogs so much is and when you're talking about roles, they know. they hit to, they, You hit to liver. Yeah, yeah. 
and and then and you've got Dunkley covers the defense, so he covers the out, and then you've got Boyd, uh, Bont and McRae yeah. as you know. They, yeah. I mean, obviously they'll they'll hit a contest if they have to, but they can cl- that, you know they they want to clear from from Libertore. Yeah. Now the other yeah, game, it's a really nice setup. The other game, of course. No, sorry, Pete. Uh, the other game, of course, uh, was. I mean, it was a, a gift as well. Watching uh, Paddy's cats get equally thumped. Oh, by, it just all by, happened, didn't it? It what was fantastic. Game. Yeah, it was brilliant. Um, uh, Geelong got shown up for the team that they are, the squad that they are. You know, slow, stodgy. Pardon me, one paced, uh, and out of ideas. Um, mm. You know, and a couple of their keys got shut down. A couple of their older stages didn't stand up to the uh, to the midfield strength and power of Melbourne. And uh, it, uh, there's not going to be a more interesting team to watch in the off season, or club, I should say, than Geelong in terms of what they do because they've been hell bent on staying in the top three, top four. Um, you know, just plugging gaps and and all the rest of it. But they've got some real problems with that squad now, age wise. Yeah, I think that it's interesting. They've got that similar. That Melbourne have a similar balance to the Bulldogs in the midfield, where they've got Viney as the hit to mid. He's, the He's been touch. a bonus for them, Pete. Yeah. Him being able to come He's back a... and 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 be in such good nick that that's that's bonus for Melbourne. So he's he's first touch, and then you've got Oliver and Petrarca mm-hmm. to provide the you know the balance of well, well, if there's a contest there, we'll hit it, but otherwise we'll clear. Yeah. But the hit to is is Viney clearly. He's, yeah. He plays the same role as Liberatore. Yeah, and, and so it, you know, sorry, go on. And then you got Langdon to give him the width on the wing, and you know, I mean, they, it, it's a similar to me that you've know, got similar kind of roles being played. Yeah, well, and don't underestimate uh, Salem's role too, because if you um, want to talk about a bit of silk and class on the outside, um, you know, he plays that role for them very well. He's that. Uh, he's the Salem's the you know the Bailey Dale. Caleb Daniel mm. off half back. He just distributes so well. And yep. can Chase Jones be that player for us? Do you think? Oh, that's an interesting question, Pete. Not if he's at North Melbourne uh, with pick four for pick one. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that occurred, it just occurred to me, you know, watching both preliminary finals, just how well they, these two teams have gotten role players drilled. Mm. And I couldn't help thinking, who are our guys playing? Who were our guys that going to play these roles? Yeah, yeah. Well, Chase, Chase can definitely be a player like that. I think he's starting to grow in stature and confidence, um, uh, starting to become a little bit more proactive, which is one of Salem's great strengths. I think the ability to be to be able to deliver and and set up play. Um, so you're right. Um, you know, we've got our grunt. You wouldn't. This is where I. This is where. Uh, we're getting into Crow's news a little bit, but this is where I feel okay. like Jordan Dawson could be a bit of a a key if we were able to snatch him up because I think he would be very much that type of player. Not a, not so much a role player, but a real integral cog in the wheel. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Have we heard anything about... The last I've heard is that it's a genuine 50-50 that the, that the initial mail about Port Adelaide wasn't correct. Yeah, well, everything that it, I've heard and genuine... you probably... That's yeah. what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you would imagine that Port haven't been able to spend too much time 
with Jordan up until the last couple of days in terms of putting a, f a firm offer to him. Um, we know that the Crows have been over him for you know much of the season, so I don't think Jordan would have any doubt as to what was on offer from from Adelaide. Um, and you know, a few pundits are saying that uh, he's going to name his pref preference uh, by week's end. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of pessimism around Adelaide's ability to pick Jordan up and, you know, the fact that Port are playing finals and we're not and all the rest of it. But I reckon if you're a 24-year-old or 25-year-old and you looked at the profile of Adelaide and you saw the, the trajectory that the, the club was on and the team was on and a young coach with a plan... Um, a young coach who also is uh, very familiar with the Bloods culture at Sydney that Jordan would have been attuned to. Um, right. You know, the the opportunity for, for a, a bloke to come into that team as a, a, a young but senior player um, and help, you know, help be a, a, a senior player in that younger group uh, that's quite enticing, uh, and you've got to think to yourself: what role does Jordan play at Port? Yep. You know, so uh, he obviously wants to play some midfield minutes. So I, I can see him rotating, you know, wing midfield and even swinging a little bit forward and back. Like he's he's a real versatile type, and um, you know, I, you would hope that Adelaide have put a very attractive offer to him um, a lot of people are talking about what we can or can't give Sydney, well that's quite irrelevant really uh, Sydney ha don't have a lot of leverage in this situation because it's uncontracted um, and in Adelaide's case at the very least um, you know we're quite well placed in the pre-season draft if it got to that um, Absolutely, I think it goes two, I mean, I'm sorry that's a really dumb thing to say it goes one of two ways <laughs> yeah, I think, either we get I him or we don't <laughs> I think that there are. Two, I think that they, you know, to me clearly he knows. He they all know what's going on. Yeah. And Sydney, Adelaide, and Dawson. They know, and Port. They all four of them. Yeah. They know what's going on. And I think that the press release that Sydney put out, which is that he's left and he's going to South Australia, and we'll just work with both teams to get the best deal. Mm. You got to sort of ask yourself, right? Okay. What what led to that statement? Mm. If, I, if I want to try and analyse it really closely. So to me, there's two possible outcomes. Right? So one is that the Dawson camp don't want, they, they want to go to Port. They don't want, and Port don't want the aggravation while they're in finals. Yeah. And, and so there's a statement released by Sydney that says he's going to South Australia, so that keeps it all under wraps. Everyone's happy. And then when Port, whenever Port come out of the, the finals, that's when it can be sorted out. Okay? Yeah. So that to me is scenario one. I did think this through and I thought, mm, maybe scenario two is Reedy being a little bit gun shy after the Bryce Gibbs. And maybe Reedy gets on the phone and says to Sydney, how do you want to announce it? You remember what happened with Carlton and Silvani, don't you? Mm. When yeah. Reedy just went yeah. the terrible yeah. situation. So maybe Reedy gets on the phone to Sydney and says, how do, how do you want to manage this? And Sydney says, well, I think that we need to manage it in such a way as that, you know, we want to try and project that we've got some bargaining power here. And so we're going to release it as we want to release it, which is 
that he's going back to South Australia and we will get the best deal. We will talk to both clubs. Mm. And that's what they put out to their membership. That's me hoping that Reed yeah. has learned from his, you know, mistake. And that was a mistake that he made with Carlton and Gibbs. Yeah, yeah. Big mistake. And he hasn't just gone straight to the meeting and said, oh, we've got, we've got Dawson and tweeting it out and, you know, pulling the rug out from Sydney. Yeah, yeah. That, that's how I see it. Oh, look, it's probably a pretty good read, Pete, to be honest with you. Uh, we haven't heard from Jordan at all, uh, which is not unusual. Um, but the fact that the, the uh, anything official has come from Sydney and Adelaide has been particularly quiet on it, even after that announcement, um, mm. you know, uh, says a bit. Um, I Look, aside from Port Adelaide's current standing in the pecking order in the competition... I can't think of too many other reasons for Jordan want to go there. Um, now that might well, be me being a little bit biased. Going up. Yeah, the family's yeah. all Crow supporters. He was a Crow supporter. Um, I don't know how much difference that makes, but it, it surely. I put myself in the in the position of a twenty four year old rabid Crow supporter as a kid playing AFL football getting the opportunity to play for the club that I grew up loving and the probably big, the only thing dollars. that would stop me for yeah, the only thing that would stop me would be the money mm. if the money wasn't there so look time will tell I guess and there's a bit to play <laughs> out but hopefully we don't have to wait too long and you're spot on I mean if you were him and you're sitting in your hotel room in quarantine and you're watching that game on Saturday night you're thinking well actually who is closer to a flag yeah yeah, yeah, well, it and it's I th look to be perfectly honest with you, Peter. I think it's line ball. I know yeah. Porter up and around the mark, but you wonder where the where you wonder where Port's improvement is going to come from. Now, when Boak and Gray uh, drop off, they're going to be it's filling true. those roles with younger players that haven't played a lot of midfield minutes. You know, they, yep. they're probably expecting uh, Connor Rosie to step up into some sort of a midfield role. You know, you've got Zach Butters and and those lads that they would be expecting to fill those roles. But that's going to actually... That's going to take them back a bit. Those those lads haven't had a lot of exposure in the midfield. Um, you know, Porter played very much with a set midfield for most of the season and those blokes are played around the edges. So, yeah, I don't mm. know. And then, you Benny, know, they've got Benny, problems up forward, I think. Benny thinks we're being silly. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure. And I, I like, you know, you and I both try and be pretty objective yeah. in the Crows, but that, that, that was a complete and utter demolition of your list yes. on Saturday night. It was. They had no answers. And, you know, they've been dominant all year playing a certain style um, and they just didn't have the ability as a coaching panel to uh, predict what the Bulldogs were going to try and do um, uh, structurally and they also didn't have the ability as a coaching panel to be able to keep the players' feet on the ground and get them to actually attack the bloody ball. So, look, I don't think it's silly to say that that the Crows are not that much further or if any further at all away from uh, Premiership than Port. Um, I'm actually quite bullish about where the Crows sit at the moment. And you know me, Peter. I tend to wear on the side of caution when it comes to the Crows. 
And generally we speaking, do. yeah, and generally speaking, it's for good reason. But, you know, I, I, I just have a feeling that the lads that we've recruited over the last couple of years, there's, there's a different quality about them that, that gives me confidence. And you talk about lads like, you know, Chase Jones with the, his ability to be able to reinvent himself and to, there's, I don't think there's many players in the league with his profile at his age that have been able to turn themselves around as much as Chase. But I'll tell you, one who has, Peter, and he's playing in a grand final on the weekend, that's Christian Petrarca. And I'm not mm. comparing Jones to Petrarca ability-wise, but Petrarca was, was uh, on the nose as a high draft yeah. pick in his first few years. Yeah. And it's only been in the last, you know, 18 months, two years that he's really started to kick on and turn into a quality player. Chase Jones has had a similar um, track in terms of how he's gone. Um, but uh, if he can continue, for the player that he is, if he can, if he can continue on that path, uh, you know, we've got other players as well. Ned McHenry looked like he was far too small, uh, didn't have the right attitude, lacked any sort of tricks and all the rest of it. But he, all of a sudden, by the end of the season, I would say he is comfortably best 22, Ned McHenry. Um, I was getting 25 points of the game by the end. And, yeah. And, but just on Chase Jones, let's never ever, for all the issues that he's had, let's never ever accuse Chase of not putting his head over the ball. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. Absolutely, 100%. And if you're talking about Port's, you know, that triumvirate, you've got Zach Butters, a, you know, great, really good player. You would think will step up and man their midfield. But then after that, Desmond, mm, not sure. Connor Rosie is the one who I think was dreadfully exposed on Saturday night. Yes. Uh, you're you, talking about you willingness want, willingness to take a bruise. Do you want him in the centre square at the start of a preliminary final? I don't think well, you do. Well, not on, not on what he showed on the weekend. Uh, and they need him to be that. Yeah. Uh, I, unfortunately for Connor, he, he plays as if he's believed his own hype. That may or may not be true. Mm. Who knows? I, I don't know the lad. I don't have any insight no. into that at all. But from an outsider looking in, I, look, I was watching a player who believed the hype and uh, wasn't yeah. interested in getting his hands dirty. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, we've got others too. Harry Schoenberg, uh, everyone knows what I think of Harry, but uh, his ability to basically bust the door open in our midfield um, and demand minutes there and make the most of those minutes uh, yep. is impressive. You know, we've, and let we've... me tell you, as, as somebody who watched him through a lot of his junior football, let me tell you that Riley Philthorpe is a very, very aggressive player. Yeah, yeah, he is. He, he is hard as nails, yeah. Riley Philthorpe. So I think he, I think we're two years away from seeing Riley. Fight. I think yeah. we're two years away from seeing what Riley can deliver for us. I think next year yeah. Um, yeah, could, could go either him. way. Um, uh, you know, second year blues and all that. Um, but when he when his body matures and hardens up a bit, um, that's when we'll see what we've got with Riley. Um, it's, you know, it's having a group that look that they can look each other in the eye, Fane, and know yeah. that when it comes the time, they'll go. Yeah. Yep, yep, exactly and, and right. There's not one of them 
There's not one of them, and that's what you need. Yeah. And that's I've, what you need. I've said it during the year that the, the lads and, and these interviews are available on our website uh, for people who want to go and listen. Um, but the interviews that we had with the young lads early in the season, and they're all talking about taking ownership of the club and uh, you know wanting to, to take the club in a new direction. They always sing it from the same hymn book, Pete. And I know you mm. know you can have your media lines and your media trained and all the rest of it. But there was some genuine um, passion about how they spoke about what they wanted to achieve. Um, yep. And you get a group of young kids on the same page at, at a young age, uh, which is exactly what's happened with the Western Bulldogs, for example, um, who've had that group together now for you know five or six years. Um, yep. Yeah. So, look, I'm bullish about the Crows. I'm, I'm happy with the direction we're going off the field. I'm happy with the direction we're going on the field. Um, just to tidy up on the Jordan Dawson one. Uh, yeah, sorry. No, 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 that's okay. Uh, we're just sort of spitballing around here tonight, but that's fine. And don't forget anyone on the in the studio audience, if you want to have a brief chat, uh, stick your hand up because uh, we're free-wheeling it tonight pretty much, aren't we? Um, yeah. Uh, would, uh, many don't want to part with pick four. Would you do a pick swap for Jordan? Absolutely. Yeah. No, knowing the draft as I know it at the moment, I, I'd happily... Uh, are you talking about uh, Dawson and 12? Yeah, four, four for 12 and Dawson. Yeah. Oh, without even without even blinking. Yeah, yeah, I think so. 12 I still gets us in the Draper conversation, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't know if Sydney would do it, but I, I certainly would. Well, I don't think they've got a choice, Peter. If he yeah. names us, I he's out of contract. Yeah, you're right, and it's a pretty good deal. It's I think it good is. Deal. Yeah, I mean, we could play hardball. We could try and trade up into the bottom of the first round and give that to Sydney. Um, you know, I don't know what Sydney's targets are in terms of their academy players or what their needs are in terms of points. Um, but just purely in terms of base value, I think 4 for 12 easily um, gets it done. And 12 puts us in the Draper conversation, really, doesn't it, you would think? It, it certainly does. Uh, and I'm all for looking at Arlo. So if you player that we could really use, yeah. If you could walk away from the draft with, uh, like, if you said before the draft, all right, we're going to give you a, a a bloke who's been in the system now for five years and really starting to show some some skills. He's twenty four, so he's in the sweet spot age wise, and we're also going to give you a young lad that is showing some real tricks and could be anything. You'd say, yeah. all right, I'll take that. I'll take that. Thanks, and I'll walk away. No question. Yeah. Well, and of course, let's not forget Matty Roberts might slip down to twelve as well. Which and Matty, it wouldn't be the end of the world if if the Crows pick Matty up as well. So, no, that's right. And it still gives us our second rounder as well, and mm-hmm. Melbourne second. So you've that's still got exactly players, right. you know, yeah. looking back there that you you know you could look at as well that you could bring in depending on what our list spot situation is. Which, as you know, I'm not a great scientist in terms of list <laughs> spots. Well, Macca and I had a big um, argument on, on Sunday, and I hate to say that Macca was bloody right. Uh, but that's, <laughs> so I'm going to have to bloody apologise to him. So, Macca, if you're listening, sorry, mate. Um, <laughs> um, the other blokes that we've been... Uh, the only other one that we've really been linked with is Dylan Stevens, and it sounds... The whispers are that he's quite happy to go to Victoria and play for a big Victorian yeah. club. Essendon seems to be the one, along with Collingwood, perhaps. I don't think I'm... I don't think there's any 
anything happening with Dylan Stevens. And sadly, it doesn't sound, doesn't seem like it's anything's happening with Isaac up there in Queensland either at the moment. So we haven't heard anything. So not sure what's happening there, maybe bubbling away. But um, just in terms of, we're just quickly talking about draft picks. Um, it was announced today, I think it was today, the um, AFL Grand Final will have a curtain raiser and that will be a repeat of the SA and WA under 19s having a game. Jeez. So that'll be a great opportunity. What a stage for those lads to have a kick out. Oh, how exciting like, to be yeah. able to go there and play in front of a, you know, a massive crowd like that and probably hang around and get to watch the grand final. You know, really great experience for those boys. Yeah. So good on yeah. them. Yeah. Um, so that'll be, um, hopefully, uh, that'll, that'll get some decent coverage on grand final day. We'll be able to have a good look on the big screen. And Well, the only downside about that is that it, it again, put Mick, Mick Godden's negative coaching style on show because uh, I had another look at that game Pete, the other day and I saw exactly what... Yeah. I, I saw, uh, not the state, the under-19s game. That's the one you're talking about, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I saw midfield setups that reminded me so much of when Mick was, was our midfield coach in terms of Looking for looking for body and not being proactive and it's little wonder that we got torched in the middle, in my opinion. But anyway, I'm not a big fan also of the fact Gordon. that we only also the fact that we you know I mean let's let's be fair we were only three goals down at half time and then we completely re jigged yeah. our midfield to make sure that it wasn't any good. Yeah, well that's very true. <laughs> yeah. That's right, because anyway. Matty, Matty just dragged us back into it, and then uh, all right, you have a rest now, Matt. <laughs> yeah, go down. Now that you've actually dragged, single-handedly dragged <laughs> yeah. the team back into the game. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he had a tough day on Saturday. I don't know if you saw his game for South on Saturday. They played him on a half-forward flank in the graveyard spot. It was a horrible yeah. day for Matty. Yeah. But yeah. um, at least he played. Now Bobby Brady is just um, on the chat is dropping a big, big uh, line there, saying that Rankin is definitely coming home. So that's uh, he's put uh, the manager as a source. That's a bit of big call for him. Are you reading that's a that as I am? Very big call. Yeah. Who who is Isaac's manager? It's not part of the uh, Dogger Brigade, is it? I don't know, but he, he of all players of all types. Gary Winter. There you go. We need him desperately. Yeah, and I don't reckon we'd have to burn a first rounder for him either. No. So he's the right. he's the player that we desperately need. We need that. We need that Cosy Pickett. Yes. Expect in the forward line. Yes, absolutely, Peter. Um, and uh, hopefully, if he did come back, the home environment uh, would assist in producing that. Uh, we know what he can do. We know exactly what he can do. We've seen it countless times. Um, well, Bobby, uh, good of you to uh, put yourself on the line there in public, on in print, in print, big and call. we'll uh, yeah, love, very big call. But I, we like that around here. <laughs> we love a big call. <laughs> <laughs> Gets us excited. Yeah, usually only when they're right. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, we also had Jake Kelly confirming that he's off to uh, Melbourne. Uh, it sounds like yeah, North Melbourne been, is the club. He's been an excellent servant for the Adelaide Football Club, Jake, and so we certainly wish him well. And I thought it was really interesting. Uh, you know, he's been he's an easy target, and we've all criticised Jake, and I certainly have been one of them, so I'm not going to shy away from that. Yeah, sorry, but, Essendon, not North Melbourne. 
Essendon. It was really, it was really interesting. Um, you know, Ben Keys tweeted. I don't know if you saw Ben Keys. I actually posted Ben Keys tweet in the chat. Yeah, here on yeah. Discord. Yeah, and they were really warm words of you know support and professionalism. And it is interesting that you know that all the stuff that we don't see as supporters that goes on you know in the day to day lives of those footballers. Mm. And he was obviously a big influence. So good on him, and um, we wish him well. Yep. And uh, the Matt Crouch thing, did we talk about that last time, Pete? I can't remember whether that yeah, was done last time. We did, didn't we? So that's all done and dusted. Yeah, um, there's really not much. It's very quiet on the list front at the yes. moment. And um, the only thing that's come out of the club was some really positive news. You're seeing Wayne Miller are back on the track. So really, really happy to see Wayne. He's just such an important player, Fiend. He's just a hugely important. Like if he can play the man. Is so important to us. I can't even, you know, in terms of the roles that he can play. So anyway, good to see him up and about. Yeah, and uh, first opportunity to see him potentially play in a Matthew Nix configuration as well. So it's going to be very interesting to see how Matthew Nix decides to use him, um, because one of yeah. the issues that we had with Wayne, and I think with that Wayne had uh, under the previous regime was he was when he was up and about he started being used as that stopgap everywhere that he didn't you know all of a sudden he found form and then he'd move to another position and then he'd you know continue that form and then he'd be moved to another position I, I wonder what Matthew Nix has got in mind for Wayne Miller yeah I um it'd be, it'll certainly be interesting to see and and um you know what what a great sort of you know fresh recruit basically yeah, 100%. Um, for next year. And if you're talking about outside silk, you're talking Miller oh. right there, aren't you, really? Yeah, and again, his ability in traffic, you know, yep. that's phenomenal. So, yep, he could be a real pickup for us. So that, that that's some real positive stuff that came out of the, the club today. Yeah. Uh, I haven't heard much about surgeries. Uh, as you said, the club's been pretty quiet on many fronts. Um so it's not really clear who, if anyone, is, apart from I think Sloan went in and had some surgery and I think uh, Himmelberg went and had some surgery. Yep. Um, Riley O'Brien, did he have something done maybe? I'm sure there's a few others. Uh, tis yeah. the season yeah. Tis the season to uh, go under the knife. Um, it is. So aside from that, Pete, around the AFL, let me, uh, let me ask your opinion. Mm-hmm. Now we know what Beveridge is like. He likes to in, foster a bit of an us and them mentality. Yep. And uh, he was very quick to get around, get around Adam Trelaw after the win against Port. And let's be honest, you know, he probably had a half a game to think about it because he didn't have to coach in the second half. Um, yep. But and he's kicked off at certain unnamed media personalities for the way that they've uh, dismantled Trelaw publicly the week before, and we all know that Trelaw's had his tru- struggles, etc. Yep. And the media are up now, arms going, "Oh, it was unjustified, and it would lack class, and uh, blah blah blah." What, what's your take? Oh, I loved it. I loved it from Beveridge. Yeah. I, I'm not a fan of the VFL media, as you know, um, yeah. and. Interesting. I saw on Twitter today there was a um, they exposed um, our good friend Kane Corns on Trelaw, mm. and so he tried he tried to pick Trelaw to pieces for lack of effort. Yeah, um, he did. 
and he edited it looked like he'd gone past a tackle and given up yeah and and he let and he left it at that saying here's a classic example of what you haven't draw yeah but then the poster cleverly had the i don't know if you saw this had the footage no, keep no. going yeah so the, he kept the footage going and whereas whereas channel nine and kane caused the editor to stop the footage there yeah but what happened was is that after he missed the tackle if you if you let the play go on he then gets himself back into the picture he chases <laughs> the handball he knocks the player he affects the kick and that's what then gets the ball to bond and pelly and bond and kicks a goal yeah it's disgraceful they're in shameless yeah it's disgraceful it's shameless they should be pulled up on it there should be some kind of media authority that that, that, that is able to pick these dickheads up it is absolutely disgraceful it yeah. is you know as bobby bray says he's a vermin and to do that to Trelaw when he deliberately edited that to make him look bad and did yeah. not go on yeah. for the next 30 seconds that showed just how well his desperation affected, you know, that bit of play. Yeah. He should just be ashamed of himself. And I just don't know how he sleeps at night. Oh, look, well, he's and, been and shown somebody, time and time again to have no integrity. The, AFL, the yeah. AFL really has to, the questions need to be asked about the integrity of the media that surrounds the AFL because they're an absolute disgrace, the whole lot of them. I hate well, their passion. There's two camp. There's two camps now in AFL media, right? There's mm. the one camp who are the Cane Corns muckrakers, and I would put Kane Hutchinson. Uh, I'd even put Caro Wilson in that at times now. I think she she straddles the line. But you've also got because of COVID and the layoffs, you've also got a lot of uh, uh, currently unattached so-called football journalists, and. Mm. They are just blatant click whores. All they yeah. want, all they want are clicks. They're all. It's all self promotion. It's all look at me. It's all who can make the big call first. Who can make the best guess? You know. I mean, you only have to look at a lad like Sam Edmund, who hasn't got a call right since about bloody two thousand and ten. Like, and he's no. You know, look at the 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 Ron Connolly. Uh, Disaster, you know, with the Ben Keys stuff, with Ben Keys, yeah, it's all just disgusting. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and then you, if you want to think about journalists with integrity, there aren't many. There aren't many. In fact, I don't, I don't think you could count them on more than one hand. To be honest with you, I think, I think there's, I think there's Crowcast and the rest. (laughs) <laughs> there's, you, there's you, there's me, there's Macca, yeah. there's Nicky, and that's really about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't even touch on Sam McClure. Jared Healy, I think that's probably a good call, Warwick. Um, I wouldn't even put Jared Whateley in that. Yeah, Jared Whateley would know. like to be, like to he's, be considered that, but he, but he is a shit stirrer as well, and he's got big agendas, big agendas since yeah. he's had that national he's, platform. He's a snivelling piece of shit. Yeah. Warwick's on the ball. Jason Dunstall, another good one. Uh, as much as he's a bit polarising, I think David King um, is usually yeah, around King. around the mark. I think John yeah, O'Brown is usually around the mark. Um, yeah. I also don't mind a bit of um, 
uh, ex Hawthorne captain uh, Luke Hodge. Don't mind a bit of Luke Hodge either. But in terms of your out and out print media journalists, uh, I, there's not yeah. many with integrity. And it's a real show. I, I agree with you. The other thing about Jared Wankley is that he's a card carrying port supporter as well, which I hate. I thought he was Geelong. No, yeah, but yeah, but 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 Porter is much less. Oh, is is yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so and you know, look, you and I both know that part of the reason the Crowcast even exists is because of the bloody the schlock that that and the lack of any sort of insightful coverage that the Crows used to get. But it's actually ten times worse than when we started back in two thousand and fifteen. It is. It is. So, yeah, so I didn't mind. Uh, back to the original point, I didn't mind beverage having a crack at all, and I wish more coaches yeah, would actually Good push business. back as well. Yep, agree. Uh, if you get blokes like Damien Barrett calling you out, you know you've done the right thing because Damien Barrett is a snivelling wuss <laughs> of a man who doesn't have a shred of integrity whatsoever, and piggybacked yeah. off uh, some pretty funny radio back in the Triple M footy days with Gary Lyons and. Uh, a few uh, Danny Frawley, but uh, Purple was the third wheel in that bloody that show. That's for sure. That, uh, mm. but uh, unfortunately, it's given him a bit of a profile. But anyway, yeah. um, so we've also got uh, Trent Cotchin has stepped down as uh, Richmond captain. Yep. Uh, interesting. So it'll be interesting. They'll go through a little bit of a, a turnover, I think, uh, Richmond, uh, over the off-season. It'll be fairly low-key, but you'll see a little bit of movement shifting there, I think. Yeah, there's a few guys. Callum Coleman-Jones and Mabul Chaw and those, those guys, so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, in terms of... Uh, the only other interesting one, I thought, now, what's that Brisbane Ruckman that asked for a trade? Uh, the young lad. I can't remember his name. Uh, but yeah, he, he uh, Clark. I can't. But Archie, that's it. Archie Smith. That's it. Archie Smith. Uh, yeah. thank, I tell you what, I love the I love you guys in the chat because my memory's hopeless, <laughs> and you guys always <laughs> we don't, we don't come you. come to the party. <laughs> Razor asks, why aren't we looking at Mason Cox? There's probably a lot of reasons why we're looking not yeah. looking at Mason Cox. Uh, Razor, uh, the main one being he's just no good. And just because he's a country, a fellow American razor doesn't mean he's any good. In fact, it's probably more likely that it indicates that he's no good. So, sorry, race, Sorry, race. And the Steelers got up too. Whew. Steelers got up against the Bills. Second nice. half. Fantastic. You don't even like NFL either. I don't mind a bit of NFL. I'm I'm really interested, actually. I'm very interested in watching the punters, the Australian boys. I love yeah. watching that. Oh, did you yeah. see Aaron Sipos? Yeah. How was that? Yeah, yeah. And yeah I've, lo I've, loved, I've loved watching the snaps that I've been getting from the college football season opening with those ridiculous crowds and those traditions, and it's fantastic. <laughs> love it. But got to go, Bean. It is, it is a bit of a show. You go and watch a game of NFL, it takes like seven hours to get through the game because they stop the game every 10 minutes for a bloody ad break. Um, That's interesting. That's irritating, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's one of the things I really am quite envious about is watching the, the, uh, the senior school sports system in America. It's fantastic. You know, the college sports, the, the college basketball and the college football, it's fantastic. If I ever get a chance... 
to go and see some American sport, I am going to Lane Stadium. I'm watching Virginia Tech, and I'm just there going nuts to enter Sandman. That's what I'm that is, <laughs> that, is, that is the biggest thing I've ever seen. That is, that is In terms of sport... You cannot beat that, sorry. Yeah, well, it kicks ass on Never Tear Us Apart, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I've got to go, mate, but that was, uh, yeah, that's a good way to finish up. Yeah, very good. Look, thanks to everyone who's joined us on uh, Discord and YouTube tonight. It's been a, uh, a quite uh, a, a freewheeling sort of chat. Um, more dots to the F5AA intro. Uh, what's that all about? Please explain. Mm-hmm. Um, come, come, come in more. I'm going to invite you in. Speak more, dot sir. I want to know what that is. Pete, you can go if you want. <laughs> All right, mate. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bail because I've got yeah. some things to do. So it was, it was good to chat, everybody. Yeah. See you, mate. Right. See you next time. See you, mate. Cheers. Can anyone come on and tell me what the five double A thing was? PJ, come on, someone. <laughs> Anyone. <laughs> Don't leave me hanging. I've kept this thing open for you guys. Tell me what it is. Oh. I, I've, more dots there. I've got you. Uh, I've given you the green light. You've just got to accept it up the top. From what I'm gathering from the chat, it was a montage of all the uh, all the port supporters um, uh, crying about. I must I must uh, look that up. That's fantastic. Um, all right, it's on their podcast page. If anyone wants to look at, it. all right, we better finish up. Look, thanks to everyone who's joined us. Uh, thanks to everyone who supported us on um, Patreon. Don't forget, if you want to support us, you can go to AFL, uh, patreon.com forward slash AFL Crowcast. Uh, we won't be on on Sunday this week. Uh, Macra and I have to go to mediation, um, but I'm sure that we'll resolve our issues uh, in time for the following week when we'll be uh, reviewing the grand final, of course, uh, and then into the silly season. So until then, everyone take care. Thanks very much for your support for joining us tonight, and we'll see you uh, next Tuesday. Not all.